0: Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit SolidRockChurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. Joseph. I usually like to preach on Joseph some years. I, I, I don't get a chance to, but you can go back last year and you can hear the message. Or if you want to come back next year, you'll probably hear it. But I love to preach on Joseph. He's the unsung hero of the nativity scene. People don't give him the credit that he needs and he deserves. But he was an ordinary man of trade, as the song said. Mary was what looked like a typical teenage girl. The shepherds were simple men doing simple work, though it seemed. The stable was just a place to keep animals and to store hay and to feed the animals. But even the animals were nothing to brag about. There was no stallions in that, in that manger. There were no exotic animals. There were donkeys and sheep. Pretty much that was it. Very ordinary. The entire picture was very ordinary. Everyone was ordinary until Jesus came. And when Jesus came into this world, how many knows the entire setting became historic. Bethlehem was on the map come on are you hearing me angels the message of the angels became something that thousands of years later we are still remembering what those angels said fear not for I bring good tidings of great joy unto all people for unto you this day in the city of David a savior is born which is Christ the Lord come on are you all hearing me we're still quoting the angels in an ordinary field in an ordinary little town called Bethlehem. A strange way to save the world. In all honesty, both Mary and Joseph probably seemed the most unlikely because if we would have chosen, if we would have even known the plan and God gave us the opportunity to choose the ones that would be the mother and be the father of the Savior of the world, we would never have chosen Mary and Joseph. Because it makes no sense to the carnal mind. It's actually strange. The shepherds, shepherds were considered in that day of the lowliest of all occupations. They were the most unlikely for angelic, messianic message angels to come and give the good news to. Can you imagine? He didn't go to the kings. He didn't go to the priests. He didn't go to anyone else. He went out in a field and told the shepherds. I, I'll tell you what I heard to, this week when I'm looking at this. I thought nothing has changed because God still speaks to the shepherds. No, y'all didn't hear me. See, we, we. I'm telling you, God speaks to the shepherds that's what a pastor means the word pastor is the word shepherd god is still speaking to the shepherds and telling the shepherds what to tell the sheep am i preaching good this morning So laying in that manger, you've seen children portray it. You've seen adults portray it. You've watched it on film. You've watched dramatic presentations. Some cost thousands of dollars to tell us what is known as the greatest story that's ever been told. That a virgin would be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, Luke chapter 2, and would be uh, impregnated by God himself. No man had touched her. And she was with child. She couldn't believe it. Joseph couldn't believe it. But in that belly of that simple, what seemed to be simple, seemed to be insignificant young girl engaged to what seemed to be an insignificant non-famous, nobody probably even knew who he was, carpenter named Joseph was a baby that was placed there, as the angel said, whose name is Jesus, for he shall save the people from their sins. Can you imagine Mary being told, with no man sexually touching her whatsoever in her life, being told by an angel, you're going to have a child. You are pregnant now, and that child, it's one thing to hear that you're pregnant and you know you ain't hooked up with nobody. It's another thing to be told that you're pregnant with the Savior of the world. Are y'all hearing me? John 1.14 says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So inside the womb of that precious young lady, The word of God that is eternal. The, the word that was spoken in Genesis 1-1, when God looked at the earth, and it was without form and void, and God said let there be light, and there was light. That word said was the word of God that came out of the triune God, the Godhead that we serve, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We call them the Godhead now, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the Bible tells us in the New Testament, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. The word of God has always existed and it was the word of God that came and, and and literally interacted with nothing and nothing became something it is the power that held the entire universe up everything that's been created that's ever been created was created and held up by the word of God it is the force of God the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us God took himself and burst out of himself a part of himself the Godhead and injected himself into a human being. God did not look at this earth 2,000 years ago and say, man, this is not working out. We're going to have to go down there and do something and thought this up at that moment. God was not caught off guard. It would listen. In fact, to go back to the Garden of Eden. Surprise. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It says, When God, man had failed, and God begins to speak to the curse and speaks to, to the curse of the ground and speaks to the to Satan, the serpent. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, uh, between your seed and her seed. You shall bruise his head, but you and you shall bruise his feet. In other words, you will strike, and you will think that you will kill him, but the strike will actually come back on you, and you'll understand that that's the very thing that's going to crush your head. So even in the Garden of Eden, the plan of Mary the Virgin, the plan of the Word becoming flesh, was in play the birth of Christ was first prophesied right there in the garden it would be prophesied again in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 Isaiah said therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you shall call his name say aloud, Emmanuel which means what God with us But you've got to understand why this strange way had to be the way. It's strange to us, but it is not strange to God. We just need to pay a little closer attention to the Word of God. We need to listen to a few conversations in the Garden of Eden. And when we do, we'll understand that to God, this was not a strange way to save the world. This was the only way to save the world. Genesis 1 26 famous verse probably my favorite verse in the whole Bible then God said let us make man in our image according to our likeness let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air over the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth in other words God gave kingdom authority on earth to man to man somebody say I got authority. This meant that anything God wanted to carry out on earth he was bound by his own law and bound by his own word that it had to be done through flesh. Everything that happens on this earth because of Genesis 1.26 that every authority that happens on this earth has to happen through flesh. God said that. All authority here on this earth has been given unto me, and now I give it to you. And he, put, he turned it over to Adam and Eve. Spirit beings, spirit beings do not have authority on this earth. Y'all, y'all need to get this revelation. Spirit beings do not have authority. I'm not saying they're not working. I'm not saying that demonic forces and angelic forces are not working. But they do not have authority on this earth. Angels that are dispatched from God can only carry out what God has told them to carry out. Don't you know God wants everybody to be saved? Do you know God wants everybody to be saved? It's God's will that all come to repentance and none should perish. But how many knows everybody's not getting saved? Because even though God's will is that everybody be saved, God gave man the ability to, to decide who they're going to serve. The devil, as powerful it looks like as he's working, let me ask you a question. How do you see him working? Why do you think he's working? The only way that you know he's working is the truth be known. You say, well, the devil, he's working. But I know what you mean. You mean I see the devil working in people. People in high places, people in decision makers, are doing this, passing laws, doing this, ruling in supreme courts, doing this, and we 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 call that the devil is working. But the devil is not sitting on the supreme court. The devil is not in the halls of Congress. The devil is not in sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue. Course, uh, contrary to what some of y'all think. The, present or to come because find on what side of the aisle you own, you think one of them's a devil. But the truth is this: the devil works through people. If the devil is in the White House, it's because a man or a woman has allowed the devil to come in and work through them. Oh, y'all are y'all hearing me this morning? Spirit beings do not have authority on this earth. If you get this, if you don't get anything else, you need to get this. That means the devil does not have a right to be in your house. The devil does not have a right to mess with your marriage. The devil does not have a right. The only he got a marriage, uh, uh, the Only reason he's got permission or, or authority to operate in your house because you've given him permission. And I'll tell you something else about the devil. It's a sermon within a sermon. I won't charge you nothing for this. This is a freebie. He cannot read your mind without your permission. He can't make you do anything that you don't want to do, that you didn't let him do. So stop saying, well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He gave you the suggestion. He helped you carry it out, but you had to do it. Let me tell you something. Just like on one side we know we know this beyond a shadow of a doubt, that, that it's God's will that all are saved and then come repentance, don't you know it's also the devil's will that everybody die, everybody that nobody preach the gospel, that nobody go to church? But, hey, surprise devil, look at us. So the devil don't get his way unless you let him have his way. Somebody shout good preaching. See, you got to understand something about why the devil don't have authority. John 10, I ain't got time to read it. Just go back and read the whole chapter of John 10. Of course, we know the famous verse of John 10, 10. For the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come to him. I have life. and have it more abundantly. You need to read the whole book of John, the chapter of John 10, because Jesus is talking about a door. He says, I am the door, and I came through the door. I came through the way that the, and if, if any man does not come the way I came, he's a thief and a robber and has no authority. I don't want to get too technical on you on the Sunday before Christmas, but here's the door. The door is called the womb of a woman because that's the way God created people to be born. I, I, I think sometimes now in 2020, maybe we need to be reminded because we got folks marrying whoever they want to marry. So I think I might need to go ahead and tell you. Uh, obviously, according to the, uh, the law of America, you can do what you want to do, but according to the law and the purposes of God, God has created one man and one woman to get together in holy matrimony. And when they get together, they can make a baby. If you ain't, if you ain't of opposite sexes, I, you, you may love each other, you may be faithful to each other, but if you're going to have a kid, somebody else is going to be involved somewhere. I'm not saying you can't have a kid, but I'm just talking legally, but somebody else is involved. Huh? Merry Christmas. The womb, when you are born into this world, you are born with the capacity to operate in authority. Your flesh gives you authority. That's why it says, everybody start clapping your hands right now. Clap, come on. You hear the sound of that? You know what the, he says clap your hands all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. The reason you can shout with the voice of triumph is because you got flesh and you can clap your hands. The devil can't shout with the voice of triumph because he can't clap his hands. It, it makes him so mad to hear us clapping because this is the way he claps. Because he's the spirit. But when you clap your hands it is evidence that you have authority. Jesus had to come through the womb of a a woman. But he could not come through just any womb, and he could not come in a normal way. Because we understand that when a man and a woman get together and she becomes pregnant, the blood of the woman goes in through the umbilical cord and feeds and nourishes the baby. Can I get an amen? Well, Mary... Contrary to what some would think with Immaculate Conception and so forth, I'm not here to debate that. I always say, well, even if she was holy and immaculate, then, you know, she was born of a mama too. Was her mama immaculate as well? Was her grandma immaculate? Was her great-grandma immaculate? Because here's the reality. At some point, uh, first of all, Mary was not immaculate. Mary was just like anyone else. But but even if you believe that, I'm going to just tell you, every human being has the tainted bloodline of the Garden of Eden. Sin, we are all born into sin. this is what it says in the word of God for all we're born into sin and that all of us have been born into the flesh and we have been born into sin and we all need repentance. So the blood of Mary as holy as she was, the blood was tainted because she had the blood of fallen man. Can I get some can I preach for the next 15 minutes on some deep stuff and then I'll get back and be sweet at the end. Can I, how many are ready for a deep word say preacher on preacher? All right, here we go. Everybody say blood. blood. The life of the flesh blood. is in the blood. Look at the scriptures. Leviticus 17, 11 says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. So how many knows that as long as blood is pumping in our bodies, we are alive? When the blood stops pumping or we lose too much blood, we die. If our bodies cannot replenish the blood that we have lost, we die. So the life of the flesh is in the blood. So if Jesus was conceived in the womb of a virgin, he had to have blood in that body. Are y'all hearing me, church? Because if he didn't, he's not alive. Take that down, please. If he's not... If you don't have blood, he's not alive. So where did that blood come from? There was no human blood from Mary to pass down to him. I'm going to just go ahead and tell you, and then I'm going to show you. The blood of Adam was the blood of Jesus. See, the blood of Adam when he was created was perfect, untainted. I just got through saying that Mary was cursed with the lineage of the bloodline of Adam. But I'm talking about the bloodline of Adam after he ate the fruit and knew that he was naked. How many of those, when Adam was created, he was molded and fashioned with the hands of God himself. He stood him up from the clay, and the Bible says that he was not a living soul. He was a stature of a man. He was made of dust, but he did not live and and breathe until God put his mouth on his mouth and breathed into him. So what did he breathe into him? Of course he breathed the spirit man into him. He took a part of himself and breathed into him. I've preached it many times. I think it's warrants being said again. you got to understand something about the nature of the creation, nature of God and pattern of God. God creates the atmosphere. God creates the environment first. Then he speaks to the atmosphere through the power of his word, through the environment. He speaks to it and he calls the creation out of the environment that the environment was created to sustain. He made the water and then he spoke to the water and said let the water bring forth fish. Come on y'all hear me. He spoke to the air he created the heavenlies and then he spoke to it and said let the birds fly in you. Let, let the birds be at home in you. Let you, you make them feel that they're operating in their destiny. He looked to the earth and he told the earth let every herb let every tree come out. You're going to nourish. You're going to be the provision that keeps them alive. He created the animals from the dust of the earth. And everything they eat is either a, a meat eater themselves. But we a circle of life, will take you back to the dirt. Come on, can I get an amen? In the natural realm, he raised up man. He created man from the natural realm, and he ba- basically by creating him from the dirt, he was saying, in order for your flesh to survive, you are going to have to eat and be nourished from the things that are of this earth. But there, but he was, but that was not enough to make them alive. When it when it, when it came time to separate the creation of man from the creation of all other things he did not speak to the water he did not speak to the air he did not even speak to the dirt he, he spoke to the only thing that can truly sustain man in this life and the life to come he spoke to himself He spoke to the environment of himself. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And he reached inside of himself and pulled out life of himself and breathed it into man and said, man, now you look like me, walk like me, covered in the same anointing that I've got. You are a mini me. Am I preaching right? So he breathed the spirit into him. And he became a triune being just like God. God is one God that exists in three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are one person that exists in three parts. We are a spirit that possesses a soul that lives in a body. Are y'all hearing me? Every part about us was created in His image. God has eyes. God has a nose. God has a mouth. God has arms. God has legs. We see that all through Scripture. Now they may be on fire. They may be uh, blazing. They all kinds of descriptions that John gives us in the Book of Revelation. But He's got arms. He's got legs. When you get to heaven, you're not going to see a God sitting on the throne that's got six arms and nine legs. Why? Because that don't make sense. And God's not the author of confusion. We were created in His image. When He stood there and fashioned us, God stood there with two legs, two arms. But it was spirit. God is spirit. There was no flesh on him. God is spirit. Remember, Jesus said God is spirit. And then the worship, worship, worship in spirit and truth. So up until Mary, God the Father, God the Word, and God the Holy Spirit were all spirit and no flesh. The only flesh that existed in the history of humanity was the flesh that God had created in the Garden of Eden. So remember what Leviticus said. The life of the flesh is in the blood. So here's what I'm going to ask you: If we all got our blood from our mamas, and we did, right? And of course, the DNA that went from our father as well that was in that blood. But our father did not give us blood. Our father supplied what needed to be supplied for us to be created, and then also he 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 had DNA traits and so forth and all that. But the blood that come through that belly button come from mama, right? So. We were able to, you know, nowadays you can watch that precious baby on a sonar getting, getting bigger and moving and high-fiving in the womb and all that. Well, that baby's heart's beating. That, what, is that, what's, what is that baby's heart pumping? Blood. And i got news for you. Even at conception, at the embryo, before it starts dividing, from within that embryo, there is blood. There is DNA of blood. Got real quiet, but can I just go ahead and tell you, life begins at conception. Because how do I know life begins at conception? Because a spirit man is placed in that embryo, and blood is placed in that embryo. Woo, Lord have mercy. This is, this is, this is a deep Christmas message. I can tell some of y'all's heads are spinning. So he breathed the spirit of himself into it, and man had a spirit now that was eternal. Everybody say this with me. Spirits never die. They are eternal. Good or bad. That means demons and angels are all spirit beings. They never die. As people get sometimes get mad at God and say, God, won't you just kill the devil? Wouldn't you just love that if he could? We wouldn't have to deal with it. But it but because of his law and the way he creates spirit beings, and the understanding of the law and the principle of, of the life of an existence of spirit beings, he's bound by his own law, and I hate to say it this way, but this but he's bound himself to say that he can't kill them because he would be breaking his own law, spirits are eternal. That's why he has to reserve a place for them to be tormented for all eternity and not just kill them at the end because spirits are eternal. That being said, when he puts a spirit in us, we are immediately eternal. No matter how old we get to be, whether we pass away in the womb, as a child, as a teenager, as an adult, that spirit being is going on. If we go on before the age of accountability, we are with the Lord. The age of accountability meaning that, that, you know, you're not old enough to make those decisions. If it's beyond that and you hadn't decided Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you know right from wrong, and you've heard the gospel, and you know right from wrong, here's the reality, and you choose to not serve God, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, your spirit's going to hell. No preachers won't preach on hell anymore. It, it, what good is it to preach on heaven and not preach on hell? Because if there is no hell, then there's no heaven. Because the same Bible that tells us about heaven tells us about hell. The same Bible that tells us about God tells us about the devil. Oh, I'm preaching better than you shouting Merry Christmas. So what had to happen at that point? He had to also breathe, inject into that clay figure of a man blood because he became a living soul the life of the flesh is in Adam didn't have a belly button y'all ever thought about that Adam didn't have a belly button neither did Eve But Cain and Abel did. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Because remember, Eve was not born either. She was also created from the rib of Adam, but she was created by God and then presented to Adam. So the same way God created Adam, he created Eve. He just simply took the rib and took that rib and put into her rib cage to begin to teach us the structure of the family. But both of them had to have blood. She didn't get her blood from, a, from one rib. So where did she get her blood? She had to get her blood also from Jesus. And remember, he said, let us make man in our image and let them have dominion. Later on in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, he says, male and female, he created them. This is in your Bible. And he called them Adam. That'll blow your mind the first time you see that. He called them Adam. She's named Eve because Adam had the authority to name all the creatures on the earth, not to say that she was on the level of of, of another creature, but God God moved upon him to name Eve Eve because she is the mother of all living, and that's what Eve means. Are y'all hearing me, church? So here's my question. If there had not been any human beings before, and these were the first two, and the life of the flesh is in the blood, where did the blood come from? Well, here it is. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. That's where we are right now in our study of the book of Revelation, if you hadn't been watching. It says this. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I'm building a house right now, y'all. And I'm going to tell you something. When you build a house, I've always known this, but when you see it before you, it reminds you. The most important part of a house is what? The foundation. And you know what? You don't need to rush that one. We're getting impatient. We want them to get, I mean, my God, we're ready to, you know, we're living, we're living in a camper, ready to live in a house, y'all. Just be real. But the truth is, we don't want them to rush the foundation. Because I plan on living on there till Jesus comes back, and I don't want it falling in on me. Are y'all hearing me? Foundation. That means that's a part of the structure that, that not only comes first, is actually, most of the time, completely unseen. Everything that comes after that is what everybody talks about and everybody looks at. Nobody comes up to your new house the first time you see it, and you've got brick, you've got siding, you've got a beautiful roof, you've got everything. No one comes up to your house unless they do this for a living and they're OCD about it. No one comes up and says, hey, before we go any further, I just wanted to let you know, that is one of the most amazing-looking block foundations I've ever seen in my life. I love your block. I love the foundation. The foundation is incredible. I mean, the reality is if you see a crack it, they might call it out. But nobody comes up. Nobody drives around looking at houses to get ideas, and they take pictures of just the foundation and don't take pictures of the siding and the windows and the doors and the roof. Because when you think about what a house looks like, you're thinking about the color scheme. You're thinking about all the things on the outside. But without that foundation, are you all hearing me? So the foundation is one thing. It is the thing. It is what holds everything else up. The Bible says he was the slain, slain, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, not before. From meaning, I'm gonna get deep on y'all. You ready? If there was a way to picture this, this is the way my mind works. It would be, because he's the word, remember? He's the messenger. He's the word. He's what come out of God, out of himself, when he said, let us make man. When he said, let there be light. So when the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, the spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. Even before he said, let there be light, as the Spirit of God was moving and brooding, that word moving on the face of the earth means brooding upon the face of the earth. At that moment, the Word of God stepped up in the midst of the Godhead in all of heaven and said, I will die. Angels had no idea what that even meant. Because they don't die. But God knew. And I don't want to mess you up, but God created man knowing man was going to fall. So before he ever made man and said it was very good, he had already at the foundation said, I'll become one of them and I'll die for him. Are you all with me? Oh, y'all, I hope you're with me because if you ain't now, you really ain't about to be. We read right over Scripture sometimes and we don't even stop to even hear what we just read. How many you knows what I'm talking about That's the truth? I mean, some Scriptures we've read all our lives. We go back sometimes where you hear a preacher or you go back and you're studying, you go, my Lord, that's in there? Never saw that. Watch this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. Hebrews were the greatest. I mean, I know the word of God is awesome, all 66 books, but Hebrews is a book that will mess with you and blow your mind because it reveals to you the plan of God. Hebrews chapter 10 is talking about the blood of bulls and goats, the blood of Jesus, and so forth. And in the midst of it, he says this Sacrificing off- and offerings you did not desire, this is God speaking, Jesus, but a body. You have prepared for me. In the midst of discussion of Jesus himself, he dis, He says, we, you go back and read, read Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 is awesome because it blows the people that don't believe in the Godhead, the Trinity, out of the water. Because the book of Hebrews chapter 1 is a conversation between the Father and the Son. And the Father calls the Son God. And the Son calls the Father God. The son says to the father, you are my God. And the father says to the son, you are my God. So as you're going through the book of Hebrews, just out of nowhere, it's just the way God works sometimes in scripture. He brings back and reminds them in the midst of, when the, of all that was being created, the foundation. God said, not only did I say I would die, but the reason he says it was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Is because at the foundation of the world, I don't want to get morbid and freaky and weird on you, but here's the reality: the body, the, the the plan for the body of Jesus and the necessary ingredients that it would take for him to exist was created at the point of creation. So when God breathed into Adam blood, he took The blood that was created in heaven from the foundation of the world that would one day, he knew, go into the Virgin Mary. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Because it was perfect. It's in heaven. It will never be tainted. Jesus was tempted as all manner of sin, yet without sin. So he took his own blood and put it into Adam and to Eve. and They were perfect. Adam and Eve were perfect. You say, well, there's no perfect people on earth. There never have been. Well, there's no perfect people on earth, but there has been. There were two perfect people. Because they were created in the image of God. They had not sinned. The blood that pumped through their bodies were not tainted with one speck of sin. It was the blood of Jesus. We claim the blood of Jesus on us now. We claim the blood of Jesus to cover us now. There were two human beings that walked this earth with the blood of Jesus in them. When you think about it, it's the only thing that can make sense. Because the blood of Jesus that came into that baby. Because remember, remember. Why would Jesus stay in the womb of Mary for nine months if what was happening in the womb was not the same thing happening to us in the womb? He was growing. That blows our mind. He was still God in that womb. But that little baby Month by month was growing. She started feeling Jesus kick. She was miserable, ready for that, that baby to get out. Even though it was the savior of the world, she's like, Okay, God, I know it's the savior of the world, but this you got to get this thing out of me, it's killing me. Come on, Mamas, help me out here. She's probably having weird cravings. There was a taco bell around those days. She was making a midnight run. Come on. Why? Why do I say that? Why? I'm not trying to be funny. Remember, if what Jesus did was not what we have to go through, then we can't relate to him. He had to eat. Oh, y'all don't, y'all, y'all can't handle this. Because y'all got Jesus' this blonde-haired, blue-eyed lamb-toting sissy hanging up on y'all's wall somewhere. He didn't have blonde hair, didn't have blue eyes, and he wasn't no lamb Is sissy. Some of y'all get that later. But every religion, every race, every ethnicity makes Jesus try to look like them. You go in a white church, Jesus is white. You go in a black church, Jesus is black. You go in a Hispanic church, Jesus is Hispanic. You go in an Asian church, Jesus is Asian. I'm telling you right now, I've seen these pictures. Everybody's Jesus looks like them. Instead of trying to worry about us looking like him. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. I don't care what race he is. Huh? I don't. I don't care. Because it ain't got nothing to do with the skin color of Jesus. It's got everything to do with what Jesus did for me. Well, what was I saying? I was talking about something really cool. I'm going to drink to it and see if the Lord brings it back to me. All right, I remember it. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says he was, he was tempted and he went through everything that we went through. So if he went through everything that we went through as a human being walking this earth, he went through what we go through in the, in the womb. He had to grow. It blows my mind to think that Jesus had to learn how to talk in the natural. When on the inside, he's like, man, I'm the one that spoke you into existence. And he's going, nah, 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 and And he, he's literally trying to scream out, I am God. Quit telling me to hush. No. I'll pour the milk out if I want to. I'm the one that made the milk. No, he wouldn't have done that because that's not the nature of God. But how many knows that's who was inside that baby? But he limited himself. He had to learn how to walk. He had to learn how to crawl. He had to learn how to walk. He had to eat. And how many knows if you eat, there's something else you have to do. We don't want to think about Jesus doing that. Jesus, he had to read the paper too, y'all. He'd just go grab him a scroll and from Isaiah or something. He'll be like, "I'll be back in a few minutes, guys." Just be roll that scroll. I know it's funny, but y'all ain't never heard a preacher say this. Jesus had to poo-poo. He was holy and acceptable unto God, poo-poo. Oh, man, I could say some stuff right here. What I'm saying is this. That blood had, he had to have blood in the womb. Because that's how flesh lives. And the whole reason he came that way is to be in the flesh. So that he could suffer in the flesh. Because he mandated that flesh has authority here on this earth. He had, he, he's always been God. He's still God. He was God then. But he said, I'm, I'm God up here. I'm letting you lead down there. But you have really messed it up. So I'm going to die And I'm going to come and I'm going to live among you and be one of you. And I'm going to do it the right way. And then when I do it the right way and I have to do what I've got to do die, come back from the dead I'm going to restore the relationship that I had with you in the garden. Woo, that's good preaching. 15 minutes. I got to go. Got to go. Listen to what he says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12 talking about his blood. You got to get this. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his, say it loud, own blood. He entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained. Do you understand what that word means? He got something that when he came, he didn't have. That's not limiting God. I'm I'm preaching biblical truth here. He obtained eternal redemption. In other words, not for himself. He didn't need to be redeemed. Through his blood, he obtained the ability for every human being to be redeemed. Oh, y'all ain't getting this. Y'all ain't getting it. Let me break it down to you this way. He, God sent his own blood into the womb of Mary. When he came back from the dead, he took it all back. He sent it from heaven to earth Then when he came back from the dead, he knew where every drop was. He brought it all back to himself and he took it back to the place that it had always been so that man couldn't touch it anymore so that it wouldn't decay with the sin of this earth. The blood is not. Listen, I don't care what you see in National Enquirer about somebody finding a piece of the cross buried up on Mount Calvary and they did a DNA test on it and they found the DNA of Jesus. There ain't no DNA of Jesus in the natural. You want to find the DNA of Jesus honey look to your left and look to your right because the DNA of the blood of Jesus is in this house it is not on some piece of wood he took every drop of his own blood and he brought it back into heaven and they put it on the altar of heaven. So the next time the devil tries to tell you of what you used to be, he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father forever interceding on our behalf and the devil tries to accuse you of who you used to be and all Jesus has got to do is say, oh, I know what he said. I know what he did, Father. But look at the altar. The blood is still fresh. The blood is still there like the day I put it there. And the, the Father says, shut up, devil. That blood that was in that baby is the blood today that is on the altar. It's the blood that every loved one that's ever gone to be with Jesus has seen it. They have seen the blood of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus, but they have seen it. The real blood of Jesus is in heaven today. God Almighty, I'm preaching. So it might might almost sound like heresy for me to say what I'm saying. But Jesus had to come this way. He made it to where there was no other way. It wasn't strange to him. You remember what he said when he came back from the dead? He showed himself by many infallible proofs for 40 days before he lifted up off this earth and disappeared into the clouds of heaven. He said at that point, all power in heaven and in earth has been given unto me, and I now give it to you. I took it back for you. God, this is a good Christmas sermon. When you hear this right now and you get this in your spirit, you won't look at some sweet little nativity scene and go, oh, boy, that was just a sweet, that was just a prayer. No, you'll understand the war that was going on. You'll understand why the devil try, pulled out every stock to try to, to kill that baby. You'll understand why Herod tried to kill every kid, two and under. You'll understand all the things in Scripture. You'll finally get why, why every demon in hell, while every angel was fighting for that baby to live, every demon in hell was fighting for that baby to die because the devil knew it better than we know it the devil knew he never forgot what God said to him in the garden that a seed was coming there was a baby that was coming notice notice he didn't say a baby that was coming he said a seed that was coming why did he say there's a seed coming of the woman because the seed doesn't look like a baby yet but the potential is there but what is in that seed what is in that seed is DNA what is in that seed is a drop of blood come on somebody that's about to be duplicated. It was that seed. And when you strike his heel, devil, that's what he said in the garden, you're going to inject your poison into his flesh. But what you don't realize is it's all a part of the plan because he said he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He needs you to kill him. He needs you to think that you beat him. He needs you to think him. He wants all of the Jerusalem and the world to think that he's dead. But when he dies, just like any other seed, it can't grow and turn into anything until it's dead in the ground but when you bury a seed you better wait you better give it time because when that seed is dead it comes back to life and something comes out of that seed oh y'all ain't hearing me? how? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 45 says this oh so it is written the first man Adam became a living being The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However the spiritual is not the first but the natural and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven and was come on and was the man of dust as was the man of dust so also are these who are made of dust and is the heavenly man as is the heavenly man so also are those who are heavenly and also we have borne the image of the man of dust we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Are y'all hearing me? Do you understand that one was called the first Adam Jesus was the final Adam Woo Jesus fulfills so many prophecies. I'm going to rapid fire. Genesis 49, 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from the, between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Isaiah 11, 1. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. Jesse, of course, meaning the father of David. Jeremiah 23, 5. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness on the earth. He was prophesied to be born of a virgin. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sire. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The Messiah was prophesied to be born in Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But you, Bethlehem of though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are of old from everlasting. The Messiah was celebrated as a child Isaiah 9 6 for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the name will this name will be upon his shoulder you shall be called he shall be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace oh I wish somebody praise him that's just a handful of them I wish somebody praise Jesus the son of the living God There are over 60 prophecies concerning the Old Testament, concerning the Messiah in the Old Testament. A number of years ago, a man named Peter W. Toner and Robert C. Newman wrote a book called Science Speaks. The book was based on the science of probability and vouched for by the American Scientific Affiliation Organization. It set out the odds of any one man in history fulfilling only eight of the 60 major prophecies that Jesus fulfilled and the 270 ramifications of the 60 being filled, fulfilled by the, in the life of Christ. Only the probability of 8 of them being fulfilled by one man. The probability that Jesus Christ could have, been, could have fulfilled even 8 such prophecies was figured out to be 1 and 10 to the 17th power. That's one and one followed by 17 zeros, or one and one quadrillion. Eight of 60. Stoner goes on to explain, to get your mind wrapped around it, that he claims that many silver dollars would be enough to cover, one quadrillion silver dollars would be enough to cover the entire face or the entire state of Texas two feet deep. He said if you want to understand the probability that Jesus only fulfilled six, I mean 8 of the 60, he explained that if you did that and marked one silver dollar and mixed that one silver dollar up with the other one quadrillion 10 to the 17th power all over the state of of the of the nation uh, excuse me, the state of Texas, you then ask a blind man to fly over Texas, tell him, let the blind man tell you to stop, drop him down, and he puts his hand and picks up the one silver dollar that was marked among the one quadrillion. That is one and ten to the 17th power. And he fulfilled 60 and had 270 ramifications of fulfilling the 60. There is more historical, secular evidence of the life and the existence and the story of Jesus than there are of people like Napoleon. But people don't doubt that Napoleon existed You go to your library, forget, don't even look at the Bible. You need to look at the Bible, but set that aside for a minute and just look at secular historians that lived in the day and after the day of Jesus and there's more historical, secular evidence of the life and the existence of Jesus than than most all prominent historical figures. The fact is the birth, crucifixion, and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ are celebrated worldwide by folks of every race, every language, every color, in every year. And believing in Jesus, come on somebody, they have been delivered from the most evil, disastrous, frustrating, debilitating habits and life forms possible. The real problem is what United States Senate, Senate Chaplain Richard Halverson said. The real problem with Jesus Christ is not that folks can't believe in him but that they won't believe in him. I'm telling you Jesus is real. A famous Christmas card sums it up this will be the last thing I say. I quote this Christmas card I love it. He says, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a Savior. Oh, come on, give Him praise. That God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Many times I read the last part of the War of Bethlehem. And I hand them out at the end, printed out for people to read. And I plan on doing that this morning. And it was like the Holy Spirit just sort of arrested me and said, no, not today. Tell them what it's about and just see how hungry they are. See if they really want to know the rest of the story. I preached to you today about a third of the revelation that is in that little booklet called The War in Bethlehem. I sit in my little, barely bigger than a broom closet office in the old hay barn that you hear us talking about a lot. I sit down in front of my little pathetic computer that I had at that time. I touch my fingers. It's one of the few times that's ever happened in my life to those keys. And my fingers just started doing this. And I promise you, as sure as I'm talking to you right now, I never stopped. I never took a break. I never researched anything. I just continued to type, and I saw the words going across the screen. And at some point, I stopped. And it was finished. It's the only time, really, that's ever happened. So if you go to thewarinbethlehem.com, you can read what God just downloaded in me. In one moment, without a break, without even thinking I was gonna do it. It has been read by people all over the world. It has been used it has been turned into a track to be handed out, listen to me, in the Red Square in Moscow, Russia. A man from Russia wrote me years ago and, and read it. And said, can I translate this into Russia and make it into a pamphlet? I want to walk around in the Red Square and hand it out for Christmas. And he did. It's, it was the reason that we know our friends in Denmark. Our friends that watch us, pastors in Denmark, read the war in Bethlehem online in the early stages of the internet. Connected with us. I've preached in their church in Denmark now. They they also printed it out in, into their language and handed it all over. The, they live on an island called the Island of Bornholm. And they distributed on the streets of Bornholm every year this little story called the War in Bethlehem. So it's touched lives all over the world. It's never been printed. I'm going to print it one day. As far as in a mini-book form, I just need to do it. But it's there. Share it. It's on Facebook. WarrenBethlehem.com just sends you to an article that I wrote on Facebook. Read it. If it blesses you, make a comment and then share it. And touch people's lives. Give the Lord a praise right now. Come on. (laughs) But the last page of that, I'm telling you, it was a miracle I could even see the screen. I was sobbing uncontrollably. That last page still wrecks me even though I wrote it when I read it I, I just about cry every time I read it I read it, so I'm encouraging you to do it thewarinbethlehem.com have you been blessed today can we give God a praise right now for what all he's done well I want to pray for you and then I got one thing I'm going to dismiss you with if you're here today we're going to do it different today Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. All over this house, let's bow our heads. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've I've got some things I need to get right with God, will you lead me in a prayer of repentance right now so I can get my heart right with God? If that's you, raise your hand right there where you're at. Thank you, son. I see that. I see hands. I see, sister. I see. God, I see hands. Thank you, sir. It's always a blessing. Hands in every four sections are going up. God knows who you are. God knows who you are. Church, will you help me pray for those? I see at least six people, probably more, that I maybe didn't see everybody's hand go up. So at least six people just raised their hand and said, I need to get some things right with God. That's why all of this that I just preached happened, so that we could be redeemed. Let's pray it out loud together, and let's help them pray. And if you raised your hands, you have, you have, you have faith, have faith, and you, you can trust in knowing that God is going to hear every word you're saying, because our God is alive. Let's pray it. Father. Come on, church. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we come to you admitting sin in our lives. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us all of of our sins. Jesus, I believe you came and you lived and you died for me. I accept you into my life i proclaim you to be my savior and to be my king and to be my lord here i am lord use me for your kingdom in jesus name everybody said amen can we give the lord a praise come on especially for those that just raised their hands and prayed that prayer hallelujah now listen sandy and i love you so much we know this is a big week Many of you are going to be traveling, you've got things going on for Christmas. We hope that you have find a way. Don't let don't let anybody steal Christmas from you this year. Now you be safe any way you want to be safe. I mean, that's not a statement of you, you know, me just haphazardly saying, Don't be safe. You do what you feel led to do. There's no condemnation there. But wherever, whatever that looks like, don't let the world steal Christmas. Because, you know, we only have a few things left that we claim as our own as the church. Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving. Don't let the world steal the true meaning of Christmas. It's not not even family. It's not even gifts. It's what I preach today. It's what's in the war in Bethlehem. Give them Jesus. Hope you have a wonderful, blessed Christmas. And I hope that it works out for you to be with us on Christmas Eve because it's one of the most special services that we ever have every year. There's plenty of room for people to space out. You can, If your family's looking for something to do on Christmas Eve, assure them they can be completely socially distant as far as they want to. You, you're not going to make anybody sit next to each other, but certainly you can if you want to, with your, certainly with your family. But we're going to have beautiful Christmas music. We always have like a living room setting up here. We have a Fireplace up here, and all of our singers are sitting acoustic style, sitting in chairs. And you know, we get JM out, but let him out of the cage, and uh, he gets to come out amongst the living. And uh, it's just powerful. And at the very end, we sing Silent Night in a completely dark room, and then we start lighting each other's candles, and all of a sudden, the room goes from dark to just filled with light. And when you hear everybody singing Silent Night, it's so powerful. We guarantee to have you out here no later than 545. It is a 45-minute service. and We've been doing it for many years, and we have never, ever gone over 45 minutes, and we will not this time. So you'll still have time to come and go be with your family. Amen. If you can't make it with us then that night, Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night.